Alright everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, July 18th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, what a weekend we had. We had a huge drop at the top. We had a debut that went over expectations. But mm-hmm. the main through line on all the things this week is that I pretty much nailed it. My predictions were real good. So why don't you plow and tell everybody about how much I nailed the 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 big predictions this weekend. So yeah, plow and and, and brag for me. Okay. Number 1, Thor Love and Thunder made 46 million dollars, down 68%, no theater change. It is at 233 0.2 million dollars in its second weekend. Number two, Minions: The Rise of Gru made 26 million dollars, down 44 percent. It lost 316 theaters. It's at 262.5 million dollars in its third frame. Number three, A Newbie, Where the Crawdads Sing made 17 million dollars in its first weekend. Number four, Top Gun Maverick, 12 million dollars a drop of a measly 23%. It lost 221 theaters. It's now at $617.9 million in its eighth weekend. Number five, Elvis made $7.6 million, down only 32%. It lost 409 theaters. It is at... $106.2 million in its fourth weekend. Number six, Ufa. Another newbie. Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank, made $6.2 million in its first weekend. Number seven, The Black Phone, made $5.3 million, down 32%. It lost 288 theaters. It's at 72 million dollars in its fourth weekend number eight jurassic world dominion made 4.9 million dollars down 42 percent it hemorrhaged 604 theaters it's at 359.7 million in its sixth frame and number nine mrs harris goes to paris 1.9 million dollars in its first frame beating number 10 Lightyear, $1.3 million, down 58%. It lost 740 theaters. It's at $115.4 million in its fifth weekend. It is not making as much as The Good Dinosaur. And real quick, Mm -hmm. outside of the top 10, number 11, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, did add some theaters. It added 105 theaters, so it had a... Increase of 79% at the box office. So it had $575,000 in its fourth weekend. It is now at $1.6 million. So that is our top 11 there. So let's just quickly, number 10 light year, because, you know, we had wannabe old boy Reed emailed us uh, the other day, emailed us yesterday uh light year number this was the subject line of his email light year number 10 last night last time to plow over that dead dog read mm-hmm. 
and and no no content in the in the uh, body of the email, just a subject line. That's all he needed there. So it's true. This is it for Lightyear in the top ten. And you know, let's check on where it is versus the good dinosaur. So right now, Lightyear after five weeks is at one hundred and fifteen point four million dollars. And after it's, it's got to reach one twenty three. So it's got to reach 123. It will not do it. Yeah. I mean, it's still ahead of where the good dinosaur was after five weeks, but the good dinosaur was making so much more money per weekend at this point in its run. Good dinosaur had some legs on it. Yes. It did not. it, It did. The drops were not horrible for it. No, no. And in fact, the good dinosaur, you know, coming up where it was in its run was about to go into the Christmas holiday season and it's sixth weekend actually increased how much money it made from the fifth to sixth weekend, which obviously light year is not going to do light year is about to maybe, maybe shed all of its remaining theaters just about, you know, we got Nope coming in and I think light year, which this past weekend was in 1300 theaters is going to fall into triple digits theaters this weekend. It's about to really, you know, if there were still discount movie theaters, remember when they used to be discount movie theaters, $2 to see an old movie. This oh, yeah. is the, the weekend when light year would go into the discount movie theaters. You know what? If they wanted to get this thing past good dinosaur, mm-hmm. and if they wanted to take advantage of the barren wasteland, that is going to be August. Mm-hmm. And September, you 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 back up the Brinks truck, and you get Tim Allen in a recording studio. Yep. And you overdub this movie with Tim Allen's voice. Yeah, uh, the, it, that's it. I mean, that it, it would definitely make some money because it is clear Tim Allen is Buzz Lightyear. The people have spoken, but Tim Allen ain't coming cheap. I mean, that guy has got. Uh, you know, more money than 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 he could count for sure. I he can't. Tim Allen cannot count all of his money. So the amount the the amount of Brinks trucks it would take that to be backed up to get Tim Allen to come in here and do a uh, uh, new dialogue for this turd, it, it just would not be worth it. So I, that is a great idea, but I think the lesson from this movie is you make sure Tim Allen's in the next Toy Story movie. It ain't Chris Evans taking over. It's it's Tim Allen. So Lightyear, I think this is probably the last weekend we beat this this dead turd. Yeah. Um, because Enough. we have a lot to talk about at the top. Why don't we jump into Clayton, the number one movie of the week? It's a holdover. It's second week. Thor: Love and Thunder, as of course predicted, stayed at the top. Now I'm going to start with pat on the back, number one which is if you listen to our weekend preview lost minutes episode, because someone Mm -hmm. did accidentally cut off the last few minutes where we made our final predictions. So if you listen to that episode that dropped Saturday morning or Saturday night, whatever it was, I did predict last weekend, uh, last the end of last week, I predicted that Thor love and thunder would drop 70% and end up making 45 million it dropped sixty eight percent and made forty six million. I mean, that is pretty much the same thing. I mean, I well, pretty much nailed it. I mean, I said sixty eight percent, Pat. 
I nailed this. So you nailed. Go back to listen to. I nailed this. Like I feel like you saying you're patting yourself on the back. You're patting yourself on the back too many times because the one way, the one reason you can pat yourself on the back is where Mm -hmm. the crawdads sing, and we'll get to Mm. that. But even Pause of Fury, you were way higher on. You said nine million, and it was at six point two five, and I said seven point five. So I'm closer. Well, let's so, let's focus on Thor. Let's focus on Thor. So I okay. said seventy percent and make forty six million. The reason I feel like I should pat myself on the back is because I did the math in my prediction. You know, and I I, I also attached a number. I said forty five million. It I made forty six. You, you actually also said seventy one percent. Did I really? You did. Well, listen, we don't have the tapes in front of us. The main thing is, the main thing, aside from who got it right or whatever, or got it I more mean, right. I mean, I did. The, I got the, 68% on the nose. Sure, sure. But th- that's not even what's important. What's important here is that this was the biggest second weekend drop in MCU history. Mm-hmm. This was, listen, I, I think... This is not a disaster. Obviously, Thor Love and Thunder is a big hit. But like we were saying with that underwhelming opening, this is clearly another crack in the MCU dominates all of box office story. You know, this is one of those movies that we're going to point to in a couple of years and say that was one of the cracks. So... Black Widow dropped 68%, but that was a day and date. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness dropped 67%. Right. And then Spider-Man No Way Home dropped 68%, but that doesn't count because it was Christmas falling on a Saturday and all this stuff. It, I mean, that's a right. movie that just was making money hand over fist during the week. So that does not right. count. So yes, this is one of the worst drops in MCU history. It has... Uh, a low Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the public is turning against the MCU. And the critical body is also turning against the MCU. Which, listen, we, we're not critics, huh? We don't no. care about what critics say. But no. it does say something that the that Marvel movies and Pixar movies were the toast of the critic class... Yep. And now they're being goofed on. Yep, exactly. That That is the thing you're starting to feel about these MCU movies is, listen, there was always some level of people thumbing their nose at them, people making fun of them to some degree. But for the most part, in that first 10-year run, you know, up until Endgame, people were not in a major way goofing on uh, uh, you know the idea of these movies or people going to them, you are starting to feel that tide turn, you know, with Eternals and and a little bit with Doctor Strange and definitely with Thor: Love and Thunder, that the general public is starting to snicker at these movies and they are not cool. And again, not that comic book movies were ever cool in the way Jack Nicholson was cool or the leather jackets are cool, but Mm -hmm. they do. They are starting to feel decidedly uncool right now. The, the Marvel movies specifically. And you know, the thing about this 68% drop is that 
This came on a weekend in which there was not a blockbuster opening. You yes. know, Thor Love and Thunder should have had a huge second weekend just based on being the only new blockbuster that was out. Mm-hmm. It having a record drop purely shows that people did not want this movie or 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 did not respond positively to this movie and that the word of mouth is bad. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have Minions in its third weekend. Mm-hmm. The movies that opened were Where the Crawdads Sing, which does not cross over with Thor Love and Thunder when it comes no. to demos. Pause of Fury, again, not a huge crossover. No. When it comes to demos. So, uh, and, and Mrs. Mrs. Harris, Harris goes, goes to, Harris. to Paris. Exactly. Right. So that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Thor, Love and Thunder is weak. It is not going to make as much as Ragnarok made in its run. Yeah. This is, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, right now, so after its second week, Ragnarok was a 212, and Thor Love and Thunder after its second week is a 233. But of course, Thor Love and Thunder had a bigger opening weekend than Ragnarok. But you kind of almost have to give Thor Love and Thunder's opening weekend credit to Ragnarok because that's people coming off of the good vibes of they all liked Ragnarok. So the sequel to that was going to open bigger. But Mm -hmm. I think from this point on, Love and Thunder is obviously not going to have the legs of Ragnarok. And if Love and Thunder finishes under Ragnarok domestically at the end, I mean, that is, again, it's a crack. This is not end of the world. This is not us saying Marvel movies are going to start tanking and the MCU will be a thing of the past in, in two years. Huh? We're not saying that. Huh. What we're saying is this is a crack. Yeah. It's and a crack. You know. And, and, and a crack and, can become a fissure. Yep. And a fissure can become a break. Yep. And a break can become a gap. Yep. And a gap can become a full-on collapse. Yes. Yes. And that takes a while, but it all starts with a crack. Nobody yeah. likes to see a crack. I mean, we are seeing the slow demise, and not complete demise, I I guess demise is the wrong word, but decline in popularity Mm -hmm. of three things that people thought were going to be pretty bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Netflix, the MCU, and Pixar. And it's all happening around the same time. Because what's happening is there's a seismic shift in culture that's happening, I don't want to get into culture criticism, huh? Huh. But there is a shift happening, and a lot of those things are going to go with that shift into being uncool. Right, right. And you know what? Of those three things you you listed that are declining, two of them are fully under the operation and uh, over the over you know have been overseen by Bob Chapstick. Pixar and the MCU directly, they all report up to one man, and that one man is Bob Chapstick. I will say, though, wasn't it Bob Iger who started putting the Pixar movies onto Disney Plus? No, it's been since the pandemic. That's Bob Chapstick. Bob Iger's been around. He's been hanging out. You know, he's been 
dipping his head into the boardroom. Hey, what's going on here? What are you guys doing? Oh, you're you're painting. Oh, okay, maybe I wouldn't paint it that color. Whatever. So Iger's been doing that. He's been around for sure, but it's been Bob Chapstick's show for since the pandemic. And Bob yeah. Chapstick is the one who killed off the the Pixar as a premium brand. Bob Chapstick is the one overseeing these current MCU movies. You know, yeah. The the whoever's in charge, they get the credit and they get the uh, you know, the tomatoes thrown at them. So we're gonna be watching this Thor box office, and not to give anything away for our Thursday preview, which of course we're gonna be talking about nope. I think nope is gonna be massive, and I think nope is going to severely cut into mm-hmm. the third weekend of Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I mean, because a a thing that Thor Love and Thunder should have had in its favor, too, was the cool factor. You know, you would have Mm -hmm. thought, all right, Eternals really hurt that cool uh, factor. And, you know, maybe Doctor Strange, even if people liked it, it's not exactly like a cool movie. But you had Taika Waititi. So you figure, okay, this is the coolest filmmaker going He's going to bring that cool factor. And that is, he's kind of had a little bit of a backlash critically and with the fans in the release of this movie. And look whose movie is coming out. The coolest, you know, one of the coolest modern directors there is, Jordan Peele. And so I think he is going to directly, you're right, he's going to cut right in to the uh, the kind of fan base that maybe would have been, even if they're over the MCU, would have been into a Taika movie. I mean, he called his movie Nope. Yeah. Just I mean, called we'll, it Nope. And and when that was announced, we saw the first poster, and then you see that first trailer, you're just thinking, this guy's at a different level. Right, right, right. Yeah, we'll get to that on the Thursday weekend preview episode, but it's when you compare Nope, the 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 cool, you know, sharpness of Nope. And then the sweatiness of the Love and Thunder subtitle. Yeah. I think Love and Thunder, the more you think about it, it is it is just the MCU starting to feel its least cool. And it's most, you know, it's in the, the more than it's ever been, it's in the position to be made fun of in the culture. And that's not mm-hmm. a spot that you want to be in. Yeah. And, you know, with this movie, people don't like it. The word of mouth is bad. Chrissy Hemi obviously is not a movie star. And if he is not a movie star as Thor, then he's in a rough spot because he's proved obviously box office wise. He is definitely not a movie star as anything but Thor. Again, let's be very careful because we, I mean, if, if anybody who's been listening to our show or re-listened or is currently re-listening, we lost one of the only weeks we ever missed was because we started talking about Chrissy Hemme not being a movie star, and you, the recording wasn't even uploaded on the internet. It got erased from your Zoom recorder. Yeah, the file was damn. I mean, this is in the days of, you know, like fall uh, uh, 2019. I mean, this is pre-pandemic, B.O. Boys. That's how yeah. far back this goes. But we learned our lesson. That's why, of course, we use the... Chrissy Hemi moniker because we feel mm-hmm. like that is a code that cannot be cracked other than by the 
most astute wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people. People. They get it, but hopefully his people don't get it. So yeah, I mean, if the Thor franchise starts puttering out, then you know that this might be a a, a guy that you're hiring for birthday parties. Oh and, my goodness, maybe. And and or like a personal trainer because he is really into fitness and he has an app. So yes, yes, he, he of course he's always he is going to be always able to fall back on being an influencer for barbells and you know uh, gym grease and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's, there'll always be a revenue stream for Chrissy Hemi. Is obviously we're not the Streamo boys. Did his Netflix movie drop this weekend? Was that was this Gray Man weekend? Is Chrissy Hemi in that movie or no? Is no, it- no, no. That's Chris. That's Chris uh, Evans. Okay, and Ryan Gosling. And, Ryan and that Gosling. movie drops this coming weekend. Okay, okay, got it. it got it. Was in select theaters this weekend, but of course we have no numbers, right? And no count for how many. I mean, obviously, it was it at the Paris Theater because that's owned by Netflix. Right. Otherwise, who knows where the gray man landed? Right. I, I would assume uh, almost nobody would have gone to see that movie in the movie theater this weekend. A movie with no, no promotion. And that is, by all accounts, sounds pretty putrid. Um, yes. All right. So let's talk about the the new release that dropped in at number three, and I would say did pretty well for itself. I'm talking about where the crawdads sing. So we talked about this on our preview episode. I was higher on this than you, so I'm going to start patting myself on the back right now. This is the important prediction right here. This is the big one. This is where you should pat yourself on the back because you did go 17 on this one. I think yes. you went 17.5 or something. I did. I said 17.5. Yeah. I mean, 17's in it. I mean, you nailed this. Yeah. So it made 17. And this was on the, I mean, not even on the high end of, of, of the projections. This was over the projections this weekend, mm-hmm. right? Because weren't the projections like 8 to 15 or so? Like 15 yeah. was the high end for this? The, on box office pro i do think it was 15 or 16 it was something like that this definitely did go over the tracking i mean deadline uh, d'alessandro had the tracking at 9 to 10 which is yeah. where i i fell into i thought that this would make 9 or 10 million dollars right so for those who you know and i don't know why you wouldn't but if if you know uh maybe you were seeing the gray man at the Paris theater and you didn't get a chance to listen to our weekend preview episode this weekend. The reason that I was, you know, one of the main reasons that I thought crawdads would overperform is just that a lot of people bought, and I'm not going to say read, but a lot of people bought this book in the last few years. This book sold 11 million copies and it came out in 2017 or 2018. So that is a lot of people who had just bought this book. So that is a, you know, that is a pretty big base to draw from. And enough of those people turned out this weekend. And, you know, we texted about this, Clayton, I'm going to throw this out there. This where the crawdad 17 million overperforming 
this is a big victory for reading or not reading, but this is a big victory for the idea that people like to project that they read. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a lot of people who went to go see this movie because they bought the book and it's been on their bookcase and they've never read it, or they just want to be able to talk about the book by seeing the movie and being able to talk about the plot of the book. But either way, it shows that the desire to feel literary is still strong out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this the demo came out for this. 74% mm-hmm. was female. The audience gave it a A minus cinema score, which is wow. great, even though Rotten Tomatoes was low on it. Mm-hmm. But the people who went and saw this movie, who most likely read this book, liked the film. So that mm-hmm. is going to be important going forward. Yep. Because if the fans didn't like it, then it's dead in the water. Yep. And that does not seem to be the case. Also, as we thought, 55% of the ticket buyers were women over 25. Mm-hmm. The overall, overall audience was 40% between 18 and 34 but 41% were over 45. Wow, that's so old in movie box office terms obviously, but yeah, over and 45. So, that is that is nearing, you know, mega oldster there. And so again, this plays into the oldsterness of this movie. There was 8% of the audience came after 8 p.m. Yeah, that's you know, how older leaning that this movie was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we're seeing that a lot this summer. The splits, and it's it's good because it again avoids these audiences from overlapping at the theaters. So you got your minions, kids, and your minions guardians who are who are going to see these early minion shows, and then the you know the the older crawdads ladies. They don't listen. Who knows if either they were dealing with kids themselves during the day, or either way, they don't want to deal with these Minions kids. Mm -hmm. And they go to an 8 o'clock show, and everyone gets to keep to themselves. So uh, You don't uh, think any of the Crawdad fans could uh, have a meet-cute with a uh, a Minion gentleman? What are those called? A a Gentle Minion? I mean, the Gentle Minions are pretty young. Remember, Gentle Minions are teenage boys who dress in suits and go to the Minions movies, mm-hmm. whereas these Crawdads ladies are over 45. So I, I think we shouldn't endorse any, you know, popcorn meat cutes between the Crawdads, older ladies, and the gentle Minions. True. Absolutely true. Yeah. 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 Not saying, listen, who knows what happens, but I, I would say we don't, the B.O. boys don't endorse that. Gentle Minions. We don't endorse that. No, absolutely you know, not. Date, absolutely date, date not. In your own... Uh, high school classes dating your own demo dating your demo yes totally dating your demo um so crawdads it brought out the the older ladies and i mean i think crawdads is another movie that's gotta gotta give some credit to elvis and gotta give some credit to maverick for bringing these older people back to the box office you know those are the movies that earlier this summer Maverick, of course, especially, but I mean, we'll get to it. Elvis definitely brought these older people back and now they're getting in the habit 
And Crawdads is a great example of once you get people in the habit, they're going to stay in the habit and they're going to go back to the movies. Sister yeah. Act 2. Yes. Yes. Crawdads. Back in the habit. Yep. Um, you know, Where the Crawdads Sing is a movie that I would say bombs four months ago before Maverick brought oldsters back to the theater and before Elvis brought the old ladies flowing back in the theater. You know, Elvis, as we've talked about, has brought back a heavy flow of older women. And mm-hmm. I think of where the Crawdad Singh had opened pre-Elvis, that heavy flow of older women would not have been waiting for them. Yeah, that's so wow. true. So it I mean, opened at a good time. And it makes it even, I mean, I hate... Never mind. I was just going to say, it makes it sadder that they're just not going to get a steady. We're just not going to get a steady flow of product, right? For these these moviegoers, right, 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 right. You you need to have you. I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely not enough feminine product to meet this new heavy flow of older women that mm-hmm. Elvis has brought in. That where the crawdads uh, sing has has continued. Uh, to keep flowing but so, I, I, hopefully these studios will realize that there's money in feminine products yes yes you would hope so you would hope so but it's it's always been the case that these studios overlook when there's a demand for feminine products you know mm-hmm. they traditionally overlook it they think of them as outliers and it's clear they're not you know yeah um so where the crawdads sing 17 million. Obviously, this is not some kind of runaway crazy opening. You know, Anthony D. Alessandro mentioned this is not a fault in our stars, you know, which is another literary adaptation from probably now at this point, probably what, seven, eight years ago, opened in the 40s. This is not that. But, you know, that's a movie, Fault in Our Stars, that was like, aimed at teenagers. So those numbers are always going to be higher. The ceiling is higher on anything that you aim at younger people. Absolutely. Um, So Crawdads is not some kind of runaway blockbuster by any means, but 17 million is a really solid and encouraging number. And it's encouraging as well, because like you mentioned, the fault in our stars and D'Alessandro also mentions Paper Towns as mm-hmm. a comp and some Nicholas mm-hmm. Sparks movies as comps. Now, I know definitely, I mean, Nicholas Sparks, I don't, it's not necessarily YA, but he's not. I, I would not say literature. that's, I would say that's YA ish. It's definitely, Jason, again, yeah. geared towards younger people and, and, teenagers and teenage women more than where the crawdad saying it's an airport book but it is an adult airport book and that's i think the positive thing is that we're out of the ya desert right right and into more adult fare now again i haven't read this book someone will say it's not literature it's an airport book whatever but it it's is a, a book. step it's, it's a, a book, book. It's, it's a, a book. book, and it's not a book for teenagers, right, which right. is a positive thing. Right, right, right. For diversity, it it, for diversity's sake, there's a place for YA novels, obviously. Of there's a place for YA movies. But there hadn't been a place in the last few years for a 
a bestseller that wasn't a YA or sci-fi or some sort of genre right. book. To, to then also be a movie that comes out in movie theaters rather than be an eight-part HBO series. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know something like Station Eleven, and we are not the Streamo boys, but something like Station Eleven is an example of in the 90s, that is a big, you know, a big director and a big star would mm-hmm. be turning that move, uh, Station Eleven, that book would become a awards play, you know, like November big release or or yes. a summer movie. And instead, nowadays, it's an HBO Max series. And so the fact that We're the Crawdad Sing is not a six-part series on Hulu, the way Under the Banner of Heaven, again, that movie, in the, that book in the 90s would have been a big Hollywood theatrical movie. Yes. And so it's good to see Where the Crawdad Sing come out in theaters at all and then work, and it'll probably end up being a profitable release because if it opens to 17, it's a movie that now has a shot at making like 50 million domestic. And the funny thing about these TV shows, instead of being movies, is that at this point, they're still getting hot, they're getting top quality talent, just taking right. up more of their time. Like right. Andrew Garfield would be in the movie based on Under the ba- uh, uh, Banner of Heaven. And instead of being in Atlanta or wherever they shot it for six months, he'll be there for two months. Right, right. Right. And it then just, he can do more movies. It just makes so much more sense for things to be movies instead of TV shows, obviously. But where the Crawdad thing is a success. Now, when we were doing the weekend preview for this movie, one of the uh, uh, negatives or one of the reasons to maybe go low on this movie is that this movie has no movie stars in it, not mm-hmm. even as a side supporting character. They didn't do a thing where. Okay, the lead Daisy Edgar Jones is a is a ingenue is a totally new star they're trying to make, and then you pair her with someone famous. There was no one famous in this movie, so or like Stallone's her dad. Exactly, they didn't do that. There's no big name draw in this movie. The fact that this opened up to 17 million, obviously not saying we've minted a movie star, nothing close to that, but. I do think for that actress, Daisy Edgar-Jones, who look at her last big project was the normal people adaptation on Hulu as a series. I think this opening does create the possibility that she could end up becoming a movie star at some point. It's not going to be this movie, but how many actresses of her age even get to open movies that aren't Marvel movies anymore? Hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it just doesn't feel like there's enough projects to, for someone like her to make her a movie star. Well, because I assume the next three things that she's doing are probably not theatrical movies. She may have some, you know, big projects, you know, for Apple Plus coming mm-hmm. up. That would be my bet. But this is the type of opening where in another time, it would have been the first step in her becoming a movie star 
because she would have had three other movies coming out in the next year. Yes. Yes. And and I, I do think the opening would have been bigger than 17, you know? Right. If right. she was really going to pop. Right. But again, the expectations for these types of movies are so low that when this goes 17 instead of 10, it's a, it's a big story. So, and it's funny, I'm looking at her IMDb and the fact that we mentioned Under the Banner of Heaven, she was the co-lead in that series wow. with Andrew Garfield. So if you look at her last few years, in another time, if she's in the 90s, She's done the Normal People adaptation, which was a series, Under the Banner of Heaven adaptation, which is a series, and now finally Where the Crawdads Sing, which was a movie. In the 90s, all of those would have been movies, and right now she'd be on her third possible hit movie, and she would be a movie star now. That's mm-hmm. the difference, is that because these new stars almost never get a chance to open movies, how are they supposed to become movie stars? You know, yeah. this should have been her third book to screen hit in a row. And the story would be the woman who makes books hot or something. Yes. Yes. And and she'd be on the cover of Maxim. Yes. Yes. And she would be a movie star. Mm-hmm. The yeah. most important thing yeah. she would be. Yeah. yeah. She would be on the cover of the Entertainment Weekly hot list issue. Yes. 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 A hundred percent. Our new movie star. So hopefully she's able to follow this up with more theatrical movies. I'm assuming she will be following this up with, you know, an Apple plus limited series, unfortunately, but she has, she'll always have this. She'll always have where the crawdad sing. She was the lead and it opened up to 17 million at the box office. Now let's go down to number six. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is what we thought it was: Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, mm-hmm. six point two. And if you listen to our last episode, this is definitely a Dougal, not a hoodwinked. Yep. And we were talking in our summer preview with the great Jeff Bach of mm-hmm. Exhibitor Relations Co. Mm-hmm. And we did a thing on there where we were saying what fast food restaurant would Mm -hmm. have the product tie-ins for the kids movies that Mm -hmm. were coming out this summer Mm -hmm. and the better the movie the more prominent the ip the better the fast food restaurant yes now positive fury is definitely a carl's jr is it even that level i ask like i feel like this is jack in the box and oh, this you're is saying Jack in the Box. So you then you're saying Jack in the Box is worse than Carl's Jr. I think so. And and I can agree on that. So then yes, this is Jack in the Box level. Yeah, Pause of Fury is Jack in the Box and like the franchise the Jack in the Box franchises that had tainted meat scandals. You know, that is where well, this then this is. would be this. I mean, listen, I don't think it's that bad. It's not like this isn't a Chi Chi situation. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. we would really ha- it would have to be a movie that makes under a million dollars in its debut to be like a Chi Chi's. That's a Playmobil, tie-in. the movie. That's Playmobil. Yeah, yeah, that's Playmobil. But again, yeah. that was variable ticket pricing. So we don't know if somebody somewhere. 
was charging 15 cents for a ticket for that film because we just don't know what the breakdown was. Someday we will do a thorough dissection of that, a thorough investigative podcast Mm -hmm. for iHeartRadio or or, or some such. Right. uh, That will just have ads in the middle that are aimed at no one. Right, right, right. But that'll that will be one of the most expensive podcast miniseries ever made. Our our mm-hmm. dissection of the box office run of Playmobil the movie. I mean, Playmobil the movie would be the tie-in toy at a burger joint that also does variable pricing for their burgers. You know, mm-hmm. that is like a, a pay pay as you want hamburger. You know, you get to look at whatever the hamburger came out like, and then you decide how much you're going to pay for it. That's where Playmobil the movie is. You know, Legend of Hank, Pause of Fury. Yeah, it's a Jack in the Box. It's a Carl's Jr. level, a low-tier fast food tie-in. You know, looking at the subtitle, The Legend of Hank, not that there was anything that was going to save this movie. This was obviously a, a cheapo you know, toss away movie legend of Hank let you know that off the bat, you know, when the subtitle is basically a goof, you know, legend of Hank. So it's like the joke there is like, Hank is such a dumb nondescript name and uh, apologies to any wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people named Hank. Obviously it's a fine average name. But Legend of, before Hank, is clearly a goof. And I don't think you want your subtitles telling people that your movie is a goof. Yeah, it's a bad joke. You don't want to have a bad joke in the title of your movie. Right. A lame-o joke. This is a lame-o joke. It's a grown-worthy joke. Right. And you can't have that in... The title of your movie. It's undercutting the big screen theatricality of the movie because Pause of Fury, fine. That is a perfectly acceptable title for a kid's movie. But then the subtitle, Legend of Hank, tells potential customers this movie is not up to the level of your typical big screen, big budget kids fair. This is, we're, we're already crapping on our own movie with this subtitle yeah and that's and that's what? a marketing department that or or whoever the titling department that just got too cute by half get rid of that subtitle i'm not saying this movie opens 10 million but i think you have an easier time promoting this movie without that the legend of hank mocking yeah. subtitle yeah yeah that must have been the director of marketing. Mm-hmm. Who came up with that? I mean, we, the director of marketing has been unemployed for a while, formerly of MoviePass. So, mm-hmm. good chance of direct- Paramount. Right. So this is a you know and uh, rare misfire. Uh, rare misfire. And listen, he's listening now, and I know he's not going to want to hear this, but our good buddy, former and future guest Danny of Ice Screen, You Scream for movies. One, listen, we're all Paramount supporters right now. They've had a great year, but few people in in, in the industry have been uh, 
more pro Paramount than Danny. And it's it, it's a shame, but Paramount finally has an L mm-hmm. this year. This is an L hung up on Paramount. Not a big L, because as we talked about in the preview episode, they basically bought this movie on the open market, didn't pay a ton for Pause of Fury. But for whatever reason, they did release in the movie theaters, and it is an L, the first L of the year for Paramount. But they did what they could with this. They Mm -hmm. put it in front of all their other movies. They put it in front of Maverick. It's just a movie people didn't want to see. It just, it it was rejected thoroughly. So, I mean, sometimes that happens. They had to put it out there. They thought they would have enough time after Minions that maybe kids would be over Minion Mania and want to come and just, you know, see something different. And that's just not the case because this isn't something anybody wanted to see. I think the, listen, the story of Paramount Summer is obviously Top Gun Maverick, of course. Mm-hmm. But the, the one of the secondary tertiary stories of the summer for Paramount is the decision they made in terms of which animated feature they would send straight to Paramount Plus and which one they would send to theaters first. And we're we're having a totally different conversation about this weekend's box office. If instead of Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, this was the opening weekend for Paramount's animated Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Do the universe. If, yeah, if that absolutely. movie I, was coming out this weekend, I think you're looking at a movie that is number two at the box office, opening in the high twenties. Mm-hmm. And, and we've absolutely. got a totally different ball game on our hands. And I think if that was the case, Thor: Love and Thunder would have been in a, a drop in the low to mid seventies if Beavis and Butthead do the universe had come out this weekend instead of. Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. So let's then move to a winner. Yes. From a loser to a winner. Mm-hmm. And we're talking Elvis. Oh, yeah. Which made $7.6 million this weekend, down mm-hmm. only 32%. Now standing at one oh six. Mm. It did and it. And we said after it goes over 100 we were going to divvy up the millions, mm-hmm. one of our trademark segments. Yes, this this and would be a weekly segment on if you know when the eventual the Bo Boys TV show starts someday. Mm-hmm. We'd have to figure out how to make this a weekly segment to to fill that. It would be on every day of the daily drive time radio show. But for now, mm-hmm. we spread it out because you know we don't have to fill that many hours of content. So we're going to do we want to cap this at 100 or do we want to have the 106 to play with? Let's well the big the big milestone was the fact that Elvis hit that 100 domestic 100 million domestic marker. So let's use a nice clean 100 even though it's at 106. I mean eventually only a 32% drop. We're looking at a movie that is still in over 3,000 theaters. I mean, at this point, Elvis will eventually get into the 120s, which is going to be a huge success. But I propose we divvy up the milestone $100 million. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, I think this is this movie is going to continue to have legs, like you said, with the drop. Mm-hmm. And uh, can I can I read you a part of a, a, an email really briefly? Of course. So again, Reed sent us another email, mm-hmm. and he talked about the bad guys is a IP. We were talking about bad guys mm-hmm. last episode. It is an IP, and it sold thirty million books. So the, that bad guys wasn't. IP, a known IP to young kids. Right. So he did mention that. Maybe a reason why that movie did better than Pause of Fury and and looked more like something kids would like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the main reason I wanted to read this email is that Reed checked out the black phone on a weekday afternoon and o- noticed that Elvis was sold out. This is very mm-hmm. recent. Mm-hmm. Then a retirement home bus pulled up to the fire lane and let out dozens of residents into the Elvis Theater. No tickets, no concessions, just a headcount to make sure no one wandered around. So obviously pre-bought tickets from the uh, retirement home. Mm -hmm. They bought out a theater. Wow. And Reed said, next time I'll ask the staff the difference between pulling and pushing their residents. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Because we we've said that that uh, or at least I I was talking about pulling wheelchairs, right? How you could pull someone in a wheelchair. No, you, you were saying dragging. I was saying dragging, yes, that you could drag a wheelchair. I mean, I think if you if you are angry enough and uncaring enough you can drag anything including a human being in a wheelchair but it does seem like but it does seem like the uh, uh this was not the case at this elvis showing that happened at at reed's movie theater that the retirement bus pulled up uh rather safely let the residents out of the uh the bus safely and there were uh, attendees who were able to safely take these old people into Elvis. They were not dragged. Well, in any so way. for you, dragging is more of an attitude than it is emotion, right? You're saying that like, if you're angry at somebody, you're dragging them. Yes. But Dra- someone else could look at that and be like, they're pulling them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I completely disagree. That's not how that works. So I think let's get off of that anyway. Let's focus on what he said on Elvis and the fact that these old people are seeing this as an event. Mm -hmm. And and these old age homes are also seeing Elvis as an event, as a way of getting these people out, these elderly people out. And it means the elderly people have the there's the demand that is known at these old age homes so they're you know they're uh hitting their life alert buttons and whatever it is they do to get attention and they're saying elvis 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 and there's been enough life alert buttons hit at this at these old age homes signaling for take me to elvis and that's great for the elvis box office talk about well some of them may be saying take me to elvis in other words Going to heaven. Right, right. That is that is and a then pr- they just misunderstand it. Right. Yeah. Right. They're like, take me to Elvis, and they want someone to just like, you know, put a little bit of extra morphine in, in the drip. Right. But I think the fact that this movie mm-hmm. is 
doing such a great job of marketing itself that even people in retirement homes are finding out about this. Right, right. Right. Well, it does It does show that they're probably Warner Brothers has been doing a good job spending on traditional uh, television and traditional broadcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just daytime uh, television, probably. Right, right. They're buying the ads on who wants to be a millionaire syndicated version. Game show network, possibly. I mean, I don't know, but if they didn't, they should have. Right, right. On, you know, old reruns of Match Game and, you know, Where's That Buzzer or whatever's on the game show network. Elvis is buying the ads there to get to the old age homes. The elderly people are hitting their medic alert buttons. They're saying, take me to Elvis. And for some of those people, that means take me to the movie theater. And they're being taken there in a bus as Reed Witness. So that's great. So leading us back to our big segment of divvying up the millions. So for those of you who maybe have never heard us do this before, we're taking that $100 million number and we are going to now give the credit to who deserves it for making Elvis a hit. Which participants get money for making Elvis a $100 million earner and how much of that money they deserve themselves. So Clayton, why don't we start by just throwing out there who we think the the participants, the earners should be in this. Okay. Who deserves, you know, and then we'll go into how much they get. I Tom mean, Tom Hanks, of course. Tom Hanks. I think Austin Butler, the the young star who played Elvis, he's got to be a, a profit participant. Um, Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman for sure. The Elvis IP itself. Yes, absolutely. You know, the king who, listen, we all, we all say he's dead, but. Who knows if Elvis does still walk this earth now might be the time to go, you know, collect some, some paychecks because the, mm-hmm. the King does deserve some of this box office. Um, I mean, do, you know, we just spent a lot of time talking about it. Do old age home attendance possibly deserve anything or bus drivers? No, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that we have a, a significant enough. I mean, Reed, of course we trust Reed. He's, he's, you know, doing, doing the footwork. He's, right. he's, he's down in the trenches, boots on the ground, knows what's happening in the stacks, but it's anecdotal evidence. We don't mm-hmm. have enough evidence that this is widespread. Right. So right. I would say, no. No money for old age home attendants or old age home bus drivers who take old people on field trips to Elvis. Uh, but I think if we want to go broader, the steady flow of older women. Yes, the older I women. Think that's more like it. Although the older women are the ones spending the money, but I guess we're giving them money for being brave and coming back. You know, this might be the one time that the audience actually gets some money here because they mm-hmm. they sort of for the first time in a long well here's someone i'm going to throw out there who deserves a little bit of elvis money and that's tom cruise tom cruise absolutely i was going to say that as well yes tom I'm, cruise i'm glad you also were going to say someone who stars in a different movie that's not elvis and we're both mm-hmm. on the same page that he deserves money because of course tom cruise with top gun maverick brought an older audience back to the movie theaters post-pandemic. Yes. Um, so 
anyone else. I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's this one is a very simple. I feel like this one has very few participants, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. very powerful participants. So other than Austin Butler, I would say is probably I mean, but he's an up and comer. And so, you can't uh, you can't say enough about his performance. It's it's spectacular. But what is that going to translate to financially? Yeah, I mean, I think though when we get to it, I think a big key for Austin Butler is if he was bad and the performance was bad, the word of mouth would have been bad. So a hundred percent, he's not the one who gets you in the door because of his fame, but. He's the one that is a big part of the movie being so so creatively successful that the word of mouth is as strong as it is. So you know what we could throw uh, some money at. Who's that? It's not who. It's what the trailer. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I think that so the if that editor goes to the, the editors trailer. of the trailer, maybe whatever. But right. I just think that the trailer in general, mm-hmm. is a reason a lot of people came to see this film. Okay, great. So I think we've got all our possible uh, profit participants. So let's start breaking up this 100. I'll throw out there is let's start at the top, and that's the Elvis IP himself, the king himself, the original Elvis and the strength of his popularity I think that is, to me, the most important uh, factor in the success of this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you disagree? Do you think someone else should have should be getting more money than Elvis? Or is, or it is this depends gonna... on what number you're going to throw out. I mean, I think I think this is a fairly close split amongst a few, but I think maybe thirty million goes to. The king himself. Now, is this split up between mm-hmm. young Elvis and comeback special Elvis? Right. And, of course, fat Elvis. I mean, do we divvy that up? Because I would say, and this is my okay. personal view. Okay. Is that if we're giving Elvis 30. Okay. I think young Early Elvis mm-hmm. gets seven. Oh, wow. Okay. I was going to go a totally different way. Let me hear how you break this down. Comeback Elvis gets, I guess, uh, you know what? It gets 17. Okay. And then. That leaves six for Fat Elvis. Oh, see, I meant it totally. I think Young Elvis is the big draw of this movie. I think so Young Elvis him 15 million? is fifteen million. Oh, I think fifteen or twenty. I mean, I think Fat Elvis gets like a million dollars out of that third. Fat Elvis A is really not in this movie, and he we're has saying, one of the most powerful scenes in this movie, though. And also, we're saying Fat Elvis because that is pretty much the genuinely accepted term for Elvis at the end of his career. He, Fat Elvis is, everyone knows him as Fat Elvis. But Fat Elvis is 
barely in this Elvis movie. Fat Elvis is not part of the marketing. I mean, you do not see Fat Elvis in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I think that Fat Elvis, I can't see giving him more than a million dollars. Okay, so Fat Elvis gets a million. Yeah. I do think, personally, I like the comeback, the post-comeback music of Elvis better. And I, I think agree. I think it's better in this movie than the early stuff. That might just be my preference. I agree. But also, I, I, I like that. We're on I the like young, that. right? We're on the young end of the demo for this movie. Right. Right. I think that you know it's interesting to say that because I'm thinking of my mom who was saw this in the movie theater herself. First movie mm. she's been to the movie theater with me post pandemic, but. This is the first movie where she went on her own, just uh, got herself up, got her purse, and went to her local movie theater. And she saw, she said, one for Elvis. Mm-hmm. And she does not have a, a, a movie app on her phone. So she did say one for Elvis and got a paper ticket. Wow. And I, yeah, the draw for her is probably more so comeback Elvis. But young Elvis is who you see in these trailers. Um, And I think that the women who were in their 40s and 50s who went to see this movie, they're mm-hmm. in it for young Elvis because they're in it for seeing Austin Butler looking good. I mean, he looks good throughout this whole thing, except for the very, very end where he earns a million dollars from us as Fat Elvis. Right. So I don't know. My breakdown is that Elvis himself gets 30, that young Elvis gets 18. Wait, so you're giving... Wait, wait. So, okay. Elvis has a... Elvis completely gets thirty million. Elvis, okay. the entity known as Elvis, gets yes. thirty million dollars. Of that thirty, young Elvis gets eighteen. Comeback Elvis gets like eleven, and then Fat Elvis gets a million dollars. See, I would have done more like a fifteen, fourteen, one million. I'll live with that. If that's how you want to go, then then young Elvis gets fifteen for young. 14. I would even go 17 young, 13 comeback. No, 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 we got to keep it at 12 comeback, one fat. Sure. So, okay. So Elvis gets 30 of that 30. Young Elvis gets 17 million. Mm -hmm. Comeback Elvis gets 12 million. Fat Elvis gets $1 million. Yes. Yeah. Great. I love it. I love it. Okay. Now do we talk about Hanks? I think we got to talk about Hanks. I think we okay. need to talk about Hanks. Now, here's what I'm going to say about Hanks. Okay. I think he deserves mm-hmm. $25 million. I love it. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because in the exit polls for this film, mm-hmm. 25% of the people said they saw this movie because of Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if we're going $100 million, right. 
25% of $100 is the easiest math you'll ever do. Right, right, right. It's $25 million. I like that. I like doing the easy math here because we just came off of doing math where we cut Elvis himself up into three parts. And we divvied, divvied Elvis up. We divvied up Elvis. And so that was some pretty tough math we just did. Mm-hmm. I love, yeah, Tom Hanks exit polls. 25% of the crowd went there for him. 25% of 100 million is 25 million. And also, if you look at Tom Hanks's successful hit movies of the the last decade, you know, they usually open at around 25 million. Like I'm going to look mm-hmm. up right now. I bet you Captain Phillips uh Captain Phillips's opening weekend, I bet you was 25 million dollars. Let's see if I'm right. I'm oh, looking it up right the 30s. I'm looking it up right now and Captain Phillips I I did not look this up before I said it. I was typing this after I already said it. Captain Phillips opened up on October 11, 2013, opening weekend $25.7 million. Jeez, you're a savant. Yeah, I am a savant. I'm patting myself on the back again, and I deserve it. Yeah, Tom Hanks is a $25 million when his movies are hits. I would bet you know, Bridge of Spies, I feel like, was in the high teens. The Post... I do feel like it was like 23, 24, 25 million dollars around there for its wide release opening weekend. Hanks gets you 25 million dollars worth of tickets when he's in a successful movie. Yes, yes. So, love it. Hanks gets 25, so we've now given away and earned 55 million dollars to the triad known as Elvis and to Tom Hanks. So now I think I throw out there, what does Baz Luhrmann, the director of this movie, get? We got $45 million to go. You know, it is his vision. Mm-hmm. And I, the one thing about him is that, like, it didn't feel as Baz Luhrmann as some of his past films, but it still had his name and his aesthetic. So... I do think he gets a good sum of this. Oh, he's he's really got to, yeah, he's got to get a taste. He's earned something here. Are, are you going, would you go as high as, would you go higher than Hanks on him? Um, You know, I'd go, was, cl- I'd go this close. Marketed, this was marketed as a Baz Luhrmann film. Yeah. And he I, does have a brand name and you know you want to give some money to the trailer which i'm i'm fine with that trailer is only able to be what it is specifically because this is a Baz Luhrmann movie mm-hmm. you know Baz Luhrmann is the difference between this and rocket man which rocket man the elton john movie was a hit but it didn't get to a hundred million domestic and I do think if you make a trade and Baz Luhrmann directs the Rocketman movie and whoever did Rocketman directs Elvis, you may very well trade the box office numbers on those. Yeah. So. So do I think, we give do we give Baz Luhrmann the difference between what Rocketman made and what Elvis made? 
Uh, well, that wouldn't be that much money because Rocketman made what ninety four million. I'm going to bet domestically total. It made ninety six. It made ninety six. So, and how Elvis about isn't this? done yet either? And Elvis, how about this? So Rocketman made ninety six million, came four million short of a hundred million. What if we give Boz Lerman four million dollars more? than Tom Hanks. So we give so, Boz Lerman $29 million. Okay. It's going to make the math difficult, but we can do it. You know, so that would come out to 80. We're at 84 million. If we give Boz Lerman 29. Okay. Which yeah, means 84. then here's the problem though. And I feel like we may need to tweak a few numbers because if we do that, we've got $16 million left, and we still got to give Tom Cruise his piece. And oh, we still got Austin right. Butler. Austin Butler, okay. I agree with you that if his performance was bad, this thing is a goner. Mm-hmm. And I know Rami, uh, Rami Malek won the Oscar for his performance, but his performance was terrible. And that movie made Baffa Bobo. But his performance worked for what people wanted out of that movie. Again, we're not critics. It's huh. not about whether we thought that was a good performance. That performance was what an audience wanted out of someone playing Freddie Mercury that year. And I think Austin Butler gives you the performance that you want out of especially young Elvis and comeback Elvis. And young Elvis really does sell the sex appeal of this movie, get those younger, older ladies in, those, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds. Um, so do we give Boz Lerman less? We might have to give Boz Lerman less. Do because we, give, we can't give Tom's, Tom Hanks less. No, he's a $25 million dollar man. Elvis less. No, Elvis is stuck at 30. Hanks is stuck at, I mean, how much do you think Austin Butler should get? I feel like he's got to get double digits. He's got to get 10 million. Oh, I would give him 10. If we give Austin give... Butler 10 and yeah. keep everything else the same, that brings up to 94. And what we could do then is a million dollars for the trailer and $5 million for Tom Cruise. I, I think both of those deserve more. I think the trailer deserves more than a million dollars. That you can't give the trailer the same amount you gave Fat Elvis. So then you got to take money out of who? Boz Lerman, but we can use some of Boz Lerman's money for the trailer because the reason the trailer popped is because it was Boz Lerman. Do you and know for what I mean? All we, for all we know, Boz Lerman oversaw the oversaw the direction of that trailer. He feels like one of those directors that has input in their trailers. I, I I don't know that for sure, but but he feels like he would. Twenty I mean, million. Here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Twenty million for Boz. Okay. Seven million, right? Because we gave him twenty-seven. No, we gave him twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. Okay. Twenty for Boz. Ten for the trailer. Nine. nine I yeah. I think I think nine for the trailer. Yeah. Okay, so so okay, so Boz Lerman gets twenty, the trailer gets nine, 
And we assume whoever is in charge of that trailer is going to have to kick a bunch of that money up to Basil Ehrman, but that's between them. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the trailer only exists with Boz Lerman's uh, uh, vision and and his footage that he's created. He had, the, the editor had Boz Lerman's vision and, and, and footage to work with. So therefore, I think that's fair. Okay, so then if we do that, then that means we're still at $84 million with $16 million to divvy up between Austin Butler and Tom Cruise. So then are we still at 10 for Austin Butler? I think I, I just really would love to give Cruz more. Uh, you can't give you, Austin Butler's got to get double digits on this. He's yeah, he's Elvis. He's great in the movie. He's the sex I appeal. You give Austin ten and you give six to Tom Cruise. I think that's fair. I mean, Tom Cruise. For anyone who's who's listening to this and they're yelling at their screen, guys, Tom Cruise is not in this movie. Tom Cruise. Of course, we know Tom Cruise is not in the Elvis movie. Huh? Huh? But Elvis is succeeding off of the back of Top Gun Maverick, bringing the old people back, making them feel safe to go to the movies again. And just like we said, when, when Elvis opened number one and knocked Top Gun Maverick out of the top spot, we said back then, Tom Cruise was smiling because he knew that it was partially because of him. He knew that it's great to see another 90s movie star, Tom Hanks, at the top of the box office. And I think everyone involved with Elvis, they'd be happy to give $6 million to Tom Cruise because deep down they knew he paved the way for the success of Elvis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's recap. So we divvied up $100 million for the Elvis movie. Mm-hmm. $30 million of that went to the Elvis triad. And of that $30 million, we gave Young Elvis $17 million. We gave Comeback Elvis $12 million. We gave Fat Elvis $1 million. Yes. We gave Tom Hanks $25 million. He's the $25 million man. Yes. We gave Boslerman twenty million dollars, mm-hmm. and we gave the trailer nine million, knowing that most yes. likely the people behind the trailer are going to have to kick most of that m- money up to Boslerman anyway. And some of that money should go to Tom Cruise because that mm. trailer was in front of Top Gun. Yes, the, the, so Tommy's getting paid in various ways here. Yes, the post production supervisor for that trailer or the editor of that trailer, that person is going to get a nominal fee at best. Boz is mm-hmm. taking that money. Tom Cruise is taking that money. Yeah. Um, then we gave Austin Butler $10 million as the lead of this movie. Uh, and, you know, listen, we talked about Daisy Edgar Jones with where the crawdads sing. Hopefully Elvis sets Austin Butler up to be the lead in other theatrical movies, but he starts with 10 million here. Mm-hmm. And then we gave $6 million to the star of Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise. Yeah. And there's your hundred. I, I think that's totally fair. I don't think there's a lawyer or accountant in Hollywood who would disagree with our math. 
that's how the, that's how the credit and the money should be divvied up. Ironclad. Yeah. Uh, so Pat, we went long. We went because long because we had to. I would say we went short because the 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 amount of news to go over in this episode should have taken other people three to four hours, but we got it all done in whatever we did it here an hour. Hour and twenty. Now. In our preview episode coming up, we're going to talk about Nope. We are going to talk, we have to talk a little bit about Top Gun Maverick, of mm-hmm. course, because it's going to have moved up the domestic charts. Wow. It beats Titanic's original release to become the highest grossing mm-hmm. Paramount film ever. I did see that. I'm not going to uh, uh, say that Top Gun Maverick has passed Titanic until it passes the total earnings of Titanic. I agree. And because like Titanic, Top Gun Maverick is a movie that is going to get several re-releases. Yes. Yes. And so you cannot, you, you, you just can't, you can't cut off hundreds of millions of dollars that Titanic got past its first run because that just shows the undeniable and undying strength of that film right 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 and and listen tom cruise would not want you to do that he does not want to take the easy way out he he wants to earn it and uh don't jump the gun don't jump the top gun maverick you know top gun maverick i think at this point will legitimately pass the overall number of Titanic when things are all said and done. So right now, Top Gun Maverick is at $617.9 million domestic. It's at number 11. And like you said, in the next couple of days, you know, by the time we get on the mic at the end of this week, it probably will have passed the Avengers and moved into the ninth spot all time on the domestic earners list. And where it's at now, 617.9, I think we could say it's nearing slam-doink territory to eventually move into the number seven spot and pass Titanic. Wow. So we're going to keep everyone abreast of this. Yeah. And, Pat, it, it, where can they find us to to tell us how much they'd give young Elvis, how much they'd give come back Elvis. Right. And how much, of course, they would give that Elvis. Email us your uh, breakdown of the Elvises at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. We, of course, love reading your emails. We do a lot of that on the end of week, uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, weekend preview episode. So email us the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Listen, we're going to check if we're able to do this. We, uh, but, Someone, uh, a wannabe old boy, Chris, actually sent us a great voicemail uh, in which he interviewed his child, Post Minions. So we've got that footage. Could to check if it's okay if we play that, you know, because we don't want to play any uh, recordings of a child without the express written consent of their uh, parent company slash parent. So we'll get that and possibly play that later yes. in the week. Very insightful Minions talk. So, Pat, wow, we did it. Yeah. I I mean, I just don't think there's anything left to say. No. 
Except until next time, we'll, we'll smell, smell you at the box. box. Oh.